Diabetes is one of those things that we know someone has. Family members, friends, church members. But there are ways that we can help to prevent diabetes or certainly take better care of it. Our guest today is Dr. Bonnie Coyle. She is the Public Health Director for Caraba's Health Alliance. Dr. Coyle, thanks so much for being with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Talk to me a little bit. I know that you're with the health department. How did we get to the point that we are emphasizing prevention of diabetes, which is a horrible disease which we see so much in this country? Well, boy, that's a loaded question with quite a number of different answers. Diabetes is such a common problem in our country, and unfortunately, it's becoming more and more common. Uh, About a third of all Americans now have pre-diabetes, all adult Americans, and, and many of them will go on to develop diabetes. So because diabetes is becoming such a problem, and because it has so many potential complications and additional health issues that come with it, it's really become a focus of public health departments to try to work with people to prevent its development. So it's become a natural space, really, for public health departments to get involved with. And I'm located in North Carolina, and the South has one of the highest rates of diabetes across the whole country. And so uh, our medical society here and our state health department has come together to partner on efforts specifically focused on diabetes prevention. So, you know, you mentioned the word pre-diabetes, okay? What exactly is pre-diabetes and why should we be concerned about that? Yeah, so pre-diabetes is a condition that someone will develop before they have gone on to actual diabetes in which their blood sugar levels are starting to get high. They just haven't gotten high enough for them to be given the diagnosis of diabetes. What's happening in that condition is that as we get older and as we gain weight, the insulin that our pancreas puts out to keep our blood sugars under control stops working as well as it used to. And when the insulin can't work well, it doesn't let the sugar into the cells and it builds up in the the blood. So prediabetes is the sign that the insulin levels are getting a bit high, but the sugar, it's not working to get the sugar into the cells, so then the sugar levels also get high. Over time, the, the pancreas will have a harder and harder time putting out insulin, and you will go on to develop actual diabetes. So the reason prediabetes is a concern is if not taken seriously, if people don't take steps to get it under control, they have a very high risk of going on to developing diabetes and then having the risks that come with diabetes like heart disease and kidney disease and problems with their eyes and um, many other problems. Okay. If I wanted to really take good care of myself, I need to know what are the risk factors that I need to be, you know, looking at? What is it that I need to be looking at to hopefully prevent myself from becoming 
a diabetic or even get into the pre-diabetic stage. So there's a number of risk factors. Simply getting older, as we age, again, our body has a harder and harder time coping with and adjusting to poor dietary habits and weight gain. So once we get over the age of 45, our risk starts to go up. But then the two probably biggest risk factors are First and foremost, being overweight, gaining too much weight. When we gain, when we eat a heavy, high fat diet or we gain fat in our bodies, that's when it becomes harder and harder for the insulin that we make to uh, get uh, to work effectively. So as we gain weight, our risk of diabetes really goes up. Physical inactivity is another big risk factor. If we are not physically active enough, that also makes it more difficult for insulin to work well. So there you have those two big risk factors, gaining too much weight, being physically inactive. Those are lifestyle factors that we can address and help people change so that they reduce their risks. If someone has had gestational diabetes when they were pregnant or polycystic ovarian syndrome, they may also have a higher risk. We've also noticed that uh, members of certain ethnic groups like a Latino or African-American seem to be at a little bit higher risk, too. And then certainly having a family history of diabetes or prediabetes is going to increase your risks, especially if it's a mother, a father, a sister, a brother, you know, a primary relative like that. So some of those risk factors can't be changed. But as I mentioned, gaining weight and physical activity can be impacted by our lifestyle choices. You're so right. I, I think about, you know, I tell my patients that, you know, each and every one of us makes a little less insulin than we did the day before. Yeah. I say a newborn baby makes more than a baby that's a day old. Uh, you know, and I say, well, if you're 30 years old, you're making a little bit less <laughs> than a 29 yeah. year old. So trying to get people to look at it, that unfortunately it is a progressive uh, event, unfortunately. But, you know, one of the things that you know, we really can do something about, though, is the obesity that we're seeing in people, people gaining more weight and things of that nature, eating more processed foods and things of that nature. So if we can get people to kind of stop doing that and understand what they're doing is, you know, putting their future at risk. Yeah, absolutely. So how would I know if I had prediabetes? You know, am I going to be able to look in the mirror and tell or is there something going different on my hand? What do I do? <laughs> well, if it were that easy. You know, that's the tricky thing with prediabetes. A lot of times you won't really have any symptoms yet because, again, your sugar is your blood sugar level is just starting to climb a little bit. So you may feel absolutely fine. Some folks may notice that maybe they are having to urinate more frequently or they're a little bit more thirsty. Those are the same symptoms you might see with diabetes. But in general, most people won't notice or have signs or symptoms. That's why it's really important to be talking about prediabetes with your primary care provider. And if you're at risk, uh, asking your provider to consider screening you so that you can see if you might have prediabetes. There is a simple blood test that can be done. You can check a person's blood sugar level or their hemoglobin A1C level. And then those two blood tests will help determine whether someone may already have prediabetes. Okay, important test to look at getting. Okay, so I've been to the doctor, 
He or she told me that I am now pre-diabetic. Oh, goodness. So what does that mean? Does that mean that I am definitely going to become a diabetic or, you know, what does that mean? So it means that you will be at higher risk of developing diabetes if you don't make changes. But there's really good news because research has now shown there's there's a landmark study, the diabetes prevention study that was done back in the early 2000s, showed that when we took a large number of people who were in the pre-diabetes range and we got them engaged in lifestyle changes, eating a better diet, getting physically active, de-stressing, they were significantly less likely to go on to developing diabetes than people who just continued to do what they were doing. They also were more likely to not develop diabetes even than people who were given medications like metformin, which is something that sometimes doctors would provide to patients who were in the prediabetes range. I think that is so important for folks to understand that prediabetes does not mean you're going to go on to develop diabetes. You can take steps. I've had patients and colleagues say to me, oh boy, I just found out I'm pre-diabetic. I'm going to start eating all the sugar I want now because when I get diabetes, I won't be able to. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> that is not the right way to think about this. When you, if you get told by your doc you have pre-diabetes, that's the time to start making changes so that you don't go on to develop diabetes, require all kinds of additional meds, and potentially develop a lot of complications and side effects that, that can really jeopardize your health. You know, one of the things that you said was lifestyle changes. And, you know, that is such a powerful tool. And I think a lot of people don't realize how empowered they can be by making those lifestyle changes. Lifestyle changes can be more powerful than a lot of medications that we can give you. The way you live your life and things of that nature is so powerful. Yeah, I can't emphasize that enough. You know, I, we've, we've talked about lifestyle medicine before, I think you and I, about a year ago, and pre-diabetes is probably one of the most excellent examples I could share with people about how your lifestyle changes can markedly alter the development of disease. Okay, so you told us a few things. What other steps can we take to prevent from becoming a, a full-fledged, as they say, a full-fledged diabetic? <laughs> well, again, first and foremost is to try to lose some weight. Uh, if you are overweight, it has been found that it's not like you have to lose a lot of weight, just losing 5% of your overall body weight, which may only be 10 to 14 pounds, say in a 200 pound individual. So we're not asking for it. Not, not requiring a lot of weight loss, just getting those couple extra pounds off can oftentimes reduce your risks. Cutting the fat out of your diet. A lot of people think, well, if diabetes is because my sugar is too high, it's sugar I have to get out of my diet. Well, yes, you have to reduce simple sugars so you don't want to be eating desserts and sweets and things like that. But you really also need to keep the fat level in your 
diet low because, as I said before, when we have too much fat in our diet, that gets in the cells and then kind of gunks up (laughs) the ability of the insulin to get the sugar into the cells for energy. So it's not just sugar we have to be careful with. It's watching the amount of fat in our diet, too. And then being physically active, the recommendation is to try to do something like walking uh, at least 30 minutes a day, three times a week. More is more beneficial, but you don't have to be you know, a marathon runner. You just need to start getting moving, doing some basic activity like walking, dancing, gardening, things like that. And um, then de-stressing, you know, trying not to uh, feel overwhelmed, doing things like meditation and um, just sitting in a quiet room, trying to limit the amount of uh, social media and um, news that might be disturbing for you and and doing social things and being together with friends. It's it's amazing. We talked about that, too, with Life Summit. It's amazing how important it is for us to have social connections. And boy, we've been through the COVID pandemic and a lot of people have spent the past couple of years sort of being isolated and then unfortunately eating a little too much. So we want to get out and socialize and and find joy in life um, in order to keep our risks lower. You know, you make a real big point here because I think a lot of people unfortunately gained a little weight during COVID. And, you know, I I say that because we're still in COVID. And that's a conversation that I have with a lot of people uh, when they come in and they are pre-diabetic about losing weight. And 5% of your body weight is really something that I think most people can wrap their heads around. A lot of times that's not even 20 pounds, you know, and that's a number that they can wrap their head around and something that, you know, we can make plans on how to lose this weight and make it work, you know, for that person. You know, I try to make it simple and maybe it's too simple, but I try to tell my patients, you know, watch the bread, the pasta, mm-hmm. the potatoes, the rice and the sweets. Those are the things that get you into trouble, to be perfectly honest. Those are the things that will make you gain that weight. And trying to to decrease those things in your diet is one of the things that, you know, we want you to try your best to do. And those are the things, unfortunately, people love, you know. Uh, I don't know about you, but I got a lot of people who are in love with French fries and, you know, got to have those almost every day. But when we talk about and we show them how if they eat certain foods... actually makes their sugars go up and we try to help them understand that there are foods that won't make your sugars go up and try to introduce them to them, it makes a difference. Yes. And to to make a few points there in terms of foods that don't make your sugars go up, you really want to stick with dark green leafy vegetables and then beans. There was a study, I, I love this study, that showed that when they asked people who had diabetes to incorporate a half to a cup of beans into their diets several times a week, that even without making other alterations, they helped normalize their blood sugar levels and uh, they, they did very well. So we want to stick with more plant-based foods, again, dark green leafies, vegetables that don't have a lot of heavy sugars in them. And then things like beans and lentils can be very helpful too to uh, folks who are trying to prevent or control their diabetes. Yeah. 
Now, I'm going to just ask this question. A lot of times I have people who I'm trying to get them to lose weight, but they're living with people who see no reason to lose weight. And then sometimes they can be sabotaged. What What are your advice to those people? Yeah, you know, I, that can be one of the biggest struggles, not just for losing weight, also for exercise, for trying to quit smoking. It is so difficult to change your behaviors when your support system, the people you live with, your, your spouse, your friends, uh, have no interest in, in joining you. Uh, but I think it's really important. I encourage people to just slowly start introducing different foods and, it, you know, and include them in the meal. And hopefully as your friends and partners see you starting to get healthier, they may join in too. But it makes it more challenging for sure. Uh, but um, your health is worth it. <laughs> Absolutely. You're worth it. I always try to tell patients you are definitely worth the effort. So I'm impressed that, you know, North Carolina is trying to address this problem. Tell me more about this. Yeah. So a, a few years ago, the North Carolina Medical Society, the Department of Health and Blue Cross Blue Shield of North Carolina partnered uh, to invest dollars in assuring that the diabetes prevention program could be available to anyone in the state, regardless of their insurance coverage, uh, by, by paying for them to be enrolled in the program. So in the state of North Carolina, anyone who's found to be have prediabetes can uh, enroll in a diabetes prevention program in their community for free and uh, get help from lifestyle coaches to help them uh, control their prediabetes and prevent the development of diabetes. So it's uh, Diabetes Free North Carolina. People can Google that to look it up if they'd like. Uh, and they can easily on the website look for uh, a place within, you know, a short drive from their home where they can enroll in the program. That sounds wonderful. You know, I know we're in North Carolina, but I wonder if other states offer this program, too. Do you know? They do. So the Centers for Disease Control, the CDC, as some people may have heard, they were so impressed when the study came out showing that lifestyle changes can prevent the development of diabetes, that they went to work and developed a national diabetes prevention program that's been available since 2010. So no matter what state you live in, if you go to the CDC website and search on diabetes or prediabetes or diabetes prevention program, you can pull up a map, put in your state, and then you can get a list of all of the places in your area that provide the program. Now, in some states, there might be a little fee for the program because not all states have invested as North Carolina has in assuring that the program is free. Uh, but again, a small fee, I think, is really worth it for folks to gain the health that they can get from getting engaged in, in the diabetes prevention program. Well, it sounds like a wonderful program. Could you tell me more about it? What would I get if I enrolled into this program? Sure. So uh, the program is a commitment. So it goes for a full year because it's been found that making changes in our behavior takes at least six months to a year till we've really adopted those new habits and are much more comfortable with the new behaviors that we are trying to achieve. So you enroll in the program for a year, 
in the first uh, six months, you meet about weekly for about two hours uh, with a lifestyle coach, oftentimes a registered dietitian or a community health worker is involved with the program or a nurse. And they will provide lectures and discussions and cooking demonstrations and you'll exercise together, as I said, weekly for about the first six months. And then in the second six months, the meetings drop to only once per month. Because it takes, again, those first six months to really learn about how to um, eat well, how to exercise, how to de-stress. And then those second six months are just meant to be those sort of reinforcement meetings once a month to help you uh, think about and continue with the goals that you've set. The goal of the program is to help you gain, uh, lose, excuse me, about 5% of your body weight and, and start to adopt some exercise goals so that you become more active. So it does require you to be uh, interested in and willing to adopt some lifestyle changes uh, and then to be able to participate in the program over the course of a year. So that sounds wonderful. Are these group sessions or are they individual sessions? How is that? They are group sessions. They usually keep the groups small, somewhere around eight to 10, maybe 12 max people so that you can have some nice, you know, discussion and social engagement in a smaller group and really become friends because you're getting together once a week over the course again of of a number of months. So they are done in group sessions. Now, some of the programs will offer virtual options. So if you find it difficult to go in person. I personally think in person is the better way because that really helps getting that social interaction with people, getting out and about. But if you're a little bit homebound or you don't have good, reliable transportation, it, you can find a virtual program uh, that you can engage with and, and still get many of the benefits that come from enrollment in the program. Okay, so that sounds really like a wonderful program. You know, you you say that there's the national program and there's this program. Have people been quick to take up this program? You know, are we seeing people go ahead and invest their time and efforts into this or what? Do they understand the, the value? This is tremendous. Oh, yes. We, we have had um, many people participate in the program at, here at Cabarrus Health Alliance. We offer uh, the program and, and we have worked with clients who just get so excited. I think it's so empowering when someone realizes that they have the ability to make take the steps that will prevent them from going on to develop diabetes. So if folks want to learn more about the program, again, if they go to um, Diabetes Free NC or to the CDC website, there are testimonials from people who have gone through the program, videos and short clips that you can watch. And it's really exciting to hear folks talk about how wow, you know, I, I was able to, you know, lose this 10, 15 pounds to get my uh, prediabetes under control. And, and they often make good friends in the process and just start feeling better overall as they make those changes. That is wonderful. You know, I think anything that we can do to prevent diabetes is uh, really a fabulous thing. Because, you know, 
I don't think people understand how much diabetes really affects their um, health. You know, I often tell my diabetics that diabetics don't die of diabetes. Diabetics generally die of cardiovascular disease. You know, diabetes affects so many different uh, organs of the body. You know, uh, you know, we see, of course, the heart. We see, of course, uh, you know, problems with limbs and eyes. And also yeah, now there's some thought about uh, mentation as far as Alzheimer's uh, disease yeah. is concerned. So it's so many things that it could affect. And just trying your best to make these changes at this stage would be Fabulous. So I, I hope that anyone who hears our voice today and who knows that, hey, you know, I may be in that range. I may have a little something going on that they will take advantage of uh, one of these programs across the country. And if nothing else, you know, go on the CDC website and look at it and see what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the, the most important message for today is that if you don't know if you have prediabetes, if you've never been checked, get screened. And then if you do have it, look into this program, the Diabetes Prevention Program, because you can take action to prevent the development of diabetes. And the screening process, could we talk a little bit about that again? Sure. So, uh, again, if you are, you know, it's recommended that if you are over the age of 45 and you are, uh, you have a BMI of greater than 25. So uh, if you are overweight and uh, you are physically inactive, uh, that uh, you should ask to receive a screening test. It is a, a simple blood test. Just have to draw a little bit of blood to check either your blood sugar or your hemoglobin A1C. Uh, so your doctor can order that test very easily along with some of the other your other labs. And, um, and then depending on the level of either of those tests, the, the blood sugar or the hemoglobin A1C, your, diabetes, your, your doctor can tell you if you fall into the pre-diabetes category. And once, you know, you know one way or the other, then I think being proactive is the, is the key. Yeah. Absolutely. Because again, the uh, as of the as the prevention study showed that when people make those, you know, small changes, start to lose a little bit of weight, get a little bit more active, they really dramatically reduce the likelihood that they would go on to develop diabetes. So, um, being proactive, taking steps uh, to take care of yourself can really make all the difference. Okay, our guest today has been Dr. Bonnie Coyle. She is the Public Health Director of Cabarrus Health Alliance. Now, Dr. Coyle, before we leave, could you give us some words of wisdom about this? Well, I think the best words of wisdom I can give to folks is that lifestyle can be medicine. We really can change the course of our health by making small lifestyle changes like eating right, cutting out all that processed food, uh, getting some exercise, walking is a fabulous exercise, and then finding ways of uh, socialization and de-stressing uh, and just enjoying life. Uh, those 
couple of small steps. And in addition, you know, getting a good night's sleep every night. Sleep is critically important <laughs> to our health. So getting enough sleep too. Those lifestyle changes can prevent the development of diabetes, can even reverse prediabetes, but also can reverse many other chronic diseases that so many of us have today. So we can have you know, a very direct role in uh, impacting our health with just some basic lifestyle choices. Very wise words. I really hope people are listening. Thank you so much for your time. This has been fabulous. And I do hope people will listen and go to these uh, websites. We'll have it on our website also. Wonderful. Thanks very much. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. It's a matter of your health. It's brought to you by the African-American Public Radio Consortium, NPR Distribution, and the Public Radio Satellite System. Find It's a Matter of Your Health podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure to visit our website at www.drblandradio.com for past episodes, blogs, and more.